Jones, 30, 35, 40, east of midfield, and then every kick. The Show Me Your News Network proudly presents Down the Sidelines. And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers, you may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast, it's Peter Stasia and Joel Orndorff. Welcome back to the Gridiron. I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And down the sidelines is a sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world. We are part of the Show Me News Network, and this is the 48th episode of the podcast on November 22nd, 2013. It is the release date in North America for the Xbox One, and they have some uh, some sports video games coming out for that system. Yeah, they got today. that commercial with, uh, who is it, Brian Urlacher? Lacker and Ray yeah, Lewis. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Which the, the I gotta admit, connection. cracked me up pretty well. That was a funny one. He's prepping the eye black and all that. <laughs> Though men's apparently a pretty uh, pretty weak launch title there. Uh, as yeah. someone who owns an Xbox One and a PlayStation Four, I got NBA Two K fourteen. Oh for yeah. Xbox One. Oh, that looks so good. It does. That just looks fantastic. I'm oh, sorry, we're nerding out a little bit here. <laughs> um. I'm back for the the first time in three weeks. I'm I'm Ooh. sorry for having to leave you there, and we're That's recording right. on a Friday, and it's a little late. But you know, I just got back this afternoon from what feels like a couple weeks straight of travel uh, in the California area. Yeah, when you go back and forth like that, I'm sure it's like, oh, I finally adjusted. Oh wait, I'm going again. Well, well the trick is whether or not you choose to adjust. I mean, I'm a morning person, so mm-hmm. I'll. You know, wake up early with no problem. And I know for some people that's a really tough thing to do. Yeah. Or, you know, going to bed early. So I'm like, I'm out in California where you could be doing so many great things, uh, you know, late night and whatnot. But, you know, because you're there for work, I'm, you know, falling asleep at 8 p.m. I'm waking up at 3 a.m. It's just, it, which is reasonable when you translate it to an Eastern standard. Did, did time, you get but. any, like, good food out there? Yeah, yeah, some good food. I mean, you know, places with, you know, steak and seafood. Nice. And I, I mean, we stayed in a, an island resort in San Diego for a social media conference, which just seemed ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was a nice place, although one of the hotels was just not good out there. Ah. Bad Wi Fi, bad just other things Ugh. with that place. It was just an old hotel, and I don't know why they picked it for the auto show. Yeah, so I was out there for the LA Auto Show uh, this this past week, and then before then I was out in Willow Springs, which is a a race course that's actually featured in Gran Turismo Six. Nice. Um, but it's you know one of the older North American race courses, and they were doing a SRT Viper TA program out wow. there. So oh, yeah, that's where we saw some of the pictures on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Facebook. Yeah, at SMY and Yoko, if you're curious to, to hit those up. Why <laughs> Some nice K-O. cars. <laughs> Very nice cars. You just spent a lot of time around those vehicles. And mm-hmm. it's I'm sure nice your brother's to, it's, a little jealous. <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> you know, it is nice to travel, though. Uh, but it's really just nice to be back and to be oh, getting yeah. in the groove with podcasting. And, you know, at home and just the usual Probably get to things. watch some more sports, too. <laughs> that, too. Although... <laughs> You know, cable TV out there, I'll tell you, if you've ever, you know, if you're in Eastern time and you ever go out to Pacific time, mm-hmm. it's the most jarring thing when you're watching cable TV programming out there, yeah. especially when you're talking like ESPN. If you're used to, you know, 6 a.m. wake ups with, you know, the Mike and Mike in the morning program, that starts at 3 a.m. Pacific. If you're, <laughs> you know, talking about the 8 p.m., you know, 
uh, Eastern time on the uh, Saturday night football, college football programs, which we'll, uh, we'll talk about, you know, this week's program there. That's at 5 p.m. Eastern out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do the, you know, the local uh, network you know, shows that they have to do their local news and all that. And it stays the same time, whether it's Eastern or Pacific. But, you know, cable shows like those just yeah, slide I up mean, and it, like it throws you, you off. Also with sports, if you, you know, if you like game day, I'm sure that's at a different time. At the NFL. Yeah. Starts at 10 a.m. out there instead of 1 p.m. Eastern. It, it's nuts, but so I'm just really glad to be back in Eastern time. And we're gonna, mm-hmm. gonna talk about some sports, which I've been yearning to discuss. Which <laughs> uh, it's just yeah, I wish I could give my opinions on some of these things. But we'll talk about you know what happened last week. We had the yeah. the Indiana Pacers had a hot start. They started eight and zero. They're right now ten and one. They started out uh, nine and zero. So. They're off to a good good pace in the East, which the East, if you look at that, I think it's the Atlantic <laughs> Division. Right now, none of the teams are above 500, and that's, that's this madness. Uh, also, Ohio State was smack-talking Alabama and FSU, saying they'd wipe the floor with them, some player on that team. you got to control <laughs> that kind of messaging. It's, it's fun for me as a Michigan grad to hate on Ohio State. But yeah. that was just nuts. And that Richie Incognito story, uh, I'm glad it started to die down. But for a couple weeks there, like that was just the talk of the sports world, and even outside the sports world, and that's embarrassing yep. when it gets to that level. So we go to the red zone here. We talk about the three sports stories, the biggest sports stories of the past week. And we start with Jameis Winston, who's having a Heisman caliber year at Florida State. Uh, he has that team undefeated. You know they're blowing out opponents left and right in a, what seems to be a non-competitive ACC. But then this story pops up of how in uh, January 2012, or you know, was it no January? Sorry, December 2012, January 2013, around that area, uh, Jameis Winston accused of sexual assault on uh, for a, on a woman, mm-hmm. and this story does not get much traction when she goes to the emergency room, the police station reports the situation. According to reports. Uh, a Tallahassee detective you know, tells the family, like, you might want to reconsider, you know, pushing this because Tallahassee is a big football town. You might make your your lives living hell for reporting this. Really shady stuff going down. Yeah. And the big breakthrough in this case this past week was that uh, there is a DNA link, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where Winston's you know semen is found in the clothing of the woman. Uh, so, like, this shows that they were together. Uh, does not prove that it was, you know, a you know sexual assault in any way. Mm-hmm. But it is a little sketchy here, and you know the the lawyers for Winston are saying that it's the the evidence has been leaked to the media, which you know is I don't want to say unfair, but it's not part of the process and. Mm-hmm. Then you got to wonder, you know, why wait until now? Like, why was you know have ten months pass until he's gotten this star power at Florida State? There's, it's kind of a complicated story, don't you think? Yeah, um, because uh, I mean, if anything, you you question why the investigation is taking so long. <laughs> um, that's a very long time. Um, to, to, you know, to, to be like making a potential vic- victim wait, uh, you know, and the victim's family and everything. And then, um, 
I don't know. It just seems like, uh, you know, it's probably not the first time that something like this has happened. Uh, you know, they probably got, you know, a huge caseload or whatever, but it just, that, that kind of seems long for anything. And then, you know, it, it does end up, he does end up blossoming into this, you know, even though he's only a freshman, a very good football player, you know, and they're, you know, his team is in position to possibly go to a national championship and, there's just the combination of things that make this questionable in a couple ways because it, it, you know, why would it take so long for them to like, if anything, it is surprising that it wasn't leaked earlier because he's, I mean, he's pretty much been the talk since the beginning of the season. Let's, yeah, let's say it that way, because even coming in, they were saying he was going to potentially be the best quarterback that's ever played there. And he's, you know, playing very well and everything. But when it comes down to it being a, you know, a possible uh, criminal case, um, why is this taking so long for them to get to? Uh, Besides the fact that it was leaked to the public. Mm-hmm. That's that. Those are the kind of things that I like would question with it, and um, I don't know. It just seems very strange that it, it's like everything's kind of aligning at the same time now. Like, yeah, and the you know, the the defense says that you know this they believe this was consensual. Mm-hmm. They submitted the DNA sample for it to be compared to. They didn't you know believe that you know the sample would not be there. Um. But it's big. You know, if Winston is charged with a felony, like he would be open to be suspended, according to the Florida State, you know, kind of ethics code. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, the biggest angle is you know if a criminal you know charge like this took place, like that's the main focus. Like oh, yes, these kind of, of things course. happen more often, and you can even argue who the person is. Exactly, regardless of who the person is. And you could even argue that the supposed cover up by the detectives saying like you might not want to mention this, like that's that needs that's a really big thing too. Right too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, I mean you're it it's kind of like an indirect threat by itself. Mm-hmm. Um and you're basically asking them to maybe not pursue it so you can't do your job. Yeah. Because that's your job to investigate the case. You um, gotta think the officer's gotta lose his job there. Oh, that's, 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 yeah. That's I mean, you you cannot say that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know. I, I think I think just to start off like that. That's that's what kind of makes you believe that there's. I don't know. Like it almost makes you believe that there's more to this whole kind of thing. And I'm sure it's like you know doesn't matter who the person is where they are you know if it if they are trying to cover up something then it's you know it wouldn't be the first time that happened and you know hopefully that's not the case because um i don't know it, it, the the thing that i wonder is if uh, what does this person if it's not true get from it's being you know lying about it right um i mean he's a a college football player 
Um, he, you know, he probably doesn't have a lot of money to his name. No, no um, definitely not. Like, I mean, if it was a case where it was like a professional football player, then you would think maybe, you know, this person could get a lot of like repercussions out of this or, or something. But like, are they like, I, I don't know, like, can are they trying to like sue the school or like, I, I don't really know where they're going with it if it mm-hmm. is a lie. That's the only thing. And the only thing I could think is if, if it is a lie, you gotta, you gotta stress that if she, it is, yeah, they were like possibly dating and mm-hmm. he broke up with her, you know, something as simple as that, um, you know, because some people hold grudges about that kind of stuff, but it's it's I don't know, it just seems like to take it to that level seems right. kind of, like you'd have to be crazy. I think. And of course, you gotta you gotta stress. You know, the, the safety and security of the woman is you know of the highest priority in cases like these. Uh, this kind of stuff happens far too often than it should. Mm-hmm. But for us being a sports podcast, we can't help but look at the angle here as we make the play. You know, will Jameis Winston be unable to play in the BCS National Championship game because of this? Assuming the Seminoles make it there, because this team is on a roll and he is the catalyst for that. And if he is unable to play because of these charges that may be levied against him, do you think that it gets to a point where he is unable to play in that game? Well, um, I mean, they were talking about like how it was probably going to be a few more weeks until they made their decision on on like mm-hmm. when they were going to charge him or not. Um, but that's still like you know even if it's like two weeks, that still would be before the game you know before the possible game or anything like that um if he is charged he's he should absolutely be kicked off the team i mean i i i believe that i mean it's well, kick off the team or suspended <sighs> well I, I think it makes a difference like if he if he is uh i think if he's charged the suspension is warranted if he is you know found guilty then I think maybe you know the, okay. the kickoff. Well, the yeah, team yeah, is... that's that's what I meant. Like if, right. if he's mm-hmm. guilty, but I mean if, it, yeah, if if there you know he's found to have done something wrong, it's true that kind of thing. Then I you know I don't think he should be allowed to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know I I think every school kind of tries to set a standard for what is acceptable and what is not and it's clearly not acceptable here no i mean i don't think it should be acceptable anywhere but um and i think that's kind of where you know it's kind of hard to predict because if it if it actually you know they they are able to prove it and everything then then he i mean i wouldn't think twice i mean absolutely no you can't you know but uh if not then like i i don't see how they could Mm-hmm. Like I, they could be like, well, he was involved with this case, but if if there's nothing comes of it, then I don't know how you can hold him out of the game. Right. Yeah, I I hope for football's sake that you know that not much comes out of it for him because he is such an exciting player, and I don't think this really affect his his Heisman standing, but I do have a really bad feeling about this one, and I think. It would not be good for college football if you know the team makes it to the national championship, but the decision comes down and he can't play, and then it doesn't make for you know a good 
fair competition between the two teams. So yeah. I, I've got a feeling that that's how it's going to end up. Though I hope for his sake and his future and for the woman, of course, as well, that that this is some sort of media blown out of proportion, misunderstanding. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, because, the, I mean, you obviously don't want anything like that to have happened to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, re- you know, it, regardless of if, you know, it's kind of like being taken to more of an extreme than, you know, what actually happened. Right. I just don't, like, I don't understand why you would lie about something like that when um, really the only thing that can come out of it is, uh, you know, people who are friends and family of the person you're accusing and obviously fans because he has fans and that kind of thing being you know treating you bad because that that's the kind of thing that i mean obviously obviously you know dropping out of school regardless of where you're going to school or anything that's a big like life decision Mm. and for someone to have to have left school for it like you've got to wonder there's probably something wrong there and I think that's a delicate issue with uh, with this whole situation. Uh, what was I going to say? So I just kind of blanked on what mm-hmm. I was going to say here. You know, the whole legal situation makes it really difficult for what you're allowed to say or what you should say. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been Jamel Hill who brought this up sometime today. Mm-hmm. But you'd think that if you were innocent... You would want to just say, you, you know, shout it from the mountaintops in a way. Like, I'm innocent, this is why. But because it's a legal situation, you have to kind of keep it under wraps. But then public perception sees that silence as yeah. almost an admission of guilt in some way. And so that's the really delicate thing that, you know, goes on with these sort of legal cases, if you will. Yeah, it, it kind of relates to another story we'll talk about. Like, as to, like, you know, what you can say and what you should say if mm-hmm. you're in some kind of legal situation. Absolutely. So let's get to the uh, 10-yard line story. Where are we at with that, Joel? Um, The uh, Tigers and the Rangers actually swapped two players recently, uh, Prince Fielder and Ian Kinsler. Um, Let's see, when did... Did the trade go down today or did it go down? It went down a couple days ago. Okay, a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, That's right. Um, But basically... uh, I don't know. The, uh, wait a second. Uh, my outline's freezing. One second. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, well, basically, the Detroit Tigers, <laughs> they owed a lot of money to Prince Fielder. And I, I can you know, attest to that. Detroit Tigers, you know, my local baseball team where I live. And they owed him something like, when they, you know, signed the contract, it was over $200 million for you know, eight years or so. It's just one of these long-term deals that they, you know, felt the weight under the situation. And at the end of their playoff run where they had, you know, higher aspirations than, you know, losing in you know, the conference, uh, the championship series, you know, Prince Fielder kind of reacted in a way that said, you know, I'm, you know, I, I it's okay that... We lost. It's not a big deal. We'll get it next year. And it seemed kind of just more of a, a really 
passive sort of reaction to losing in that way. Considering he had, you know, really solid regular seasons with the Tigers the two years that he was there with them, but, you know, only one home run, three RBI, and two playoff runs where, you know, he had really solid regular seasons. He he disappeared in the playoffs those two years. And so, you know, the, the Tigers, you know, get rid of him and, you know, uh, get back, you know, thirty million dollars in Ian Kinsler uh, to Texas. You know, Texas Rangers needed a big bat in the middle of the lineup. They yeah. really needed that power. They're missing it when they sent Josh Hamilton to, or when Josh Hamilton signed with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which is the really dumb baseball team name. <laughs> <laughs> but the Tigers get back, you know, a solid second baseman with speed, possible leadoff hitter. Uh, Omar Infante, the Tigers' second baseman, was going to probably be moving on as a free agent at the end of this year. Anyway, and freeing up that you know that payroll space gives him flexibility to sign Max Scherzer at the end of the year should he want to. Some flexibility to sign Miguel Cabrera at the end of 2015. Uh, so good things moving forward for the Tigers. I, I think you know Tigers GM Dave Dombrowski comes out you know looking like a thief in this, almost like it's a steal. Yeah, I mean you know in a way. It- it kind of satisfied a little bit what both teams needed. Mm. The the Tigers need to free up room and the, and like you said, the Rangers needed a big back. They needed somebody, um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully he can go there and perform, you know, I'm sure they're wishing him good luck and everything, but it did kind of seem like he was, uh, less interested in how the season ended mm-hmm. this past year than, than most people who, you know, we're probably more invested, other players more invested on the team. Um, so, like, you, you, I mean, I guess if you if you looked at it that way, then you're like, yeah, I mean, he, it definitely looked like he was kind of on his way out. Mm-hmm. There was always this kind of drama in Detroit with Cecil Fielder, his father, who was, you know, a big slugger for the Tigers, you know, during mm-hmm. the 90s. But Cecil and his son, Prince, were never really on the best speaking terms as they got mm-hmm. older i mean there was always you know stories of you know prince fielder at you know tiger stadium hitting home runs when he's 12 and terry francona is a coach and he's there you know watching <laughs> him like these, these old stories that get you know passed around but there was always the thing like when you know prince signed for that ludicrous contract it's just like oh yeah, there's a thing with his dad and how even then things didn't end on the best terms with them. So there's always this kind of thing hanging around with him. Hmm. And granted, the past three years, he has hit after the most valuable player, yeah. you know, in you know, whether it's the AL with Miguel Cabrera or the NL with Ryan Braun to give him that kind of protection. Uh, yeah. But, you know, Prince Fielder needs those playoff numbers to increase before, you know, uh, he gets you know that kind of recognition. You also have right. to think of Albert Pujols, you know, moving on to a new team, huge contract, not living up to those expectations. I, these teams that want to sign these long-term deals with really, really long and just you know heavy cash burdens, you know whether it's pitchers or or players, these seven to eight-year-old deals when you know they're starting to hit their thirties. They really don't make a lot of sense. But yeah, yet, uh, it's more for like, I mean, 
draft picks and mm. and like you know big big name younger players that are out there. Yeah. Um. I I mean, like, because in a way, you could you get injured and. I don't know. It seems like if you get injured in baseball, then it's always reoccurring. Right. Um, Perfect and... example that's happening right now. Robinson Cano, second baseman, New York Yankees. Great mm-hmm. player. Yeah. With Jay-Z as his sports agent, which that's, uh, that's a <laughs> sentence you don't expect to normally say, asking for 10 years and $300 million. $30 million per year. For a player that he's starting to get into his you know 30s, so you want to be paying him that much money by the end? There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. And you almost wonder, like, is some team going to be stupid enough to take the plunge hmm. for that figure? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see it develop. <laughs> I'm, <trying to> think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's, there's someone. someone that's, yeah. <laughs> Let's make the play here, the predict development of the show here on Down the Sidelines. Which team gets more wins next year, the Texas Rangers or the Detroit Tigers? I'll say it's Detroit. I like the starting pitching more. Granted, while it was you know better in Texas and they started to turn things around at the end of the year, they tried to make that playoff push and just fell a little short. I think with this retooling, you know, it's not going to necessarily help the power in the middle of the lineup. But I think this is just the beginning of the moves that the Tigers can make, and they're probably going to look for a left fielder. Talk around here is you know you could go after Sin Shu Chu, yeah, uh, and Cleveland you. Maybe might even be able to pull Carlos Beltran away from St. Louis uh, if you're willing to spend the money. Yeah. Uh, but I think the starting pitching is what makes the difference in Detroit, and I think that gets them more wins. Yeah, that's obviously what makes that team so good. Um, comparatively to the Texans, um, you know, I think that just Detroit's pitching is that much better. But. Um, like I kind of feel like Detroit could probably go out there and get somebody um, to take his place. You know, not going to cost as much, and might even be able to give you the same kind of production. Just because, you know, especially in the playoffs, it really fell off. Like, uh, probably would have changed things a little bit for how their season finished. You know, yeah. if he had played a little better. Um, but. Um, I don't know. I just think Detroit's a better overall team, anyways. Regardless of you know how the tra- the trade that went down. Um, so I, I, yeah, next year I think Detroit will have one more. Yeah, let me give you some Detroit insight here. Uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera has been playing at third the past few years because Prince Fielder was a first baseman. You know, not mm-hmm. the best one, but Miguel Cabrera started his career as a third baseman. He had been playing first base for you know several years and. Became you know above average defensive first baseman there, but then moved back over to third to try to appease Prince coming over, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now that Prince is gone, the thought is Cabrera is going to go back to third to first. Uh, the Tigers are going to bring up one of their best prospects that had been starting to play outfield, but that was more of an adjustment because they needed him there. Natural third baseman uh, Nick Castellanos is the name of the player who you might be hearing more of this coming year. Uh, so he gets to move to third. And then with you know, Kinsler at second base, you get stronger defensively. And you have Jose Iglesias, you know, the, the rookie this year who started in Boston and now moved to Detroit, just a wizard on defense at shortstop. 
Uh, that is one of the Tigers' weaknesses is, was their defense on the infield, especially. And you know that to see that improve that much because of this move, it's it's a positive thing. Uh, yeah, just, you know, coming from someone who lives in the Metro Detroit area. Yeah, I and there like it seems like there's a number of stories already about like even with the lineup protection like changing that. You know he'll still be okay. Mm-hmm. You got Victor Martinez as a designated mm-hmm. hitter, and he's just a professional hitter. Just won't get you know home runs and all, but just consistently will hit the ball. Yeah. Uh, top story this week is Alex Rodriguez, and I think we've uh. talked about his uh, his struggles <laughs> with the law and baseball and suspensions and whatnot before. But it continues as he started the arbitration period because he's trying to appeal and challenge the 211 game suspension that he was handed down by Major League Baseball because of his uh, steroid, the accusations against him. Mm-hmm. Well, it took an interesting turn when <laughs> they're in this this arbitration period. You know, have an arbitrator kind of hearing that as a third party to try to determine if the suspension was fair or not. And it's Major League Baseball versus Alex Rodriguez. And A-Rod thinks that you know, Commissioner Bud Selig hates his guts and... <laughs> <laughs> that he won't testify because he wants to vilify him and almost burn him in effigy in a way and make an example out of him. Mm. And so it's this, it's this battle where the pinnacle was reached where Alex Rodriguez, you know, was swearing and, you know, slamming his hand on the desk and, you know, calling it a, a mockery, a farce of what they were doing because, Bud Selig would not testify and Major League Baseball would not present the evidence against him. Maybe they don't even have any. It's it's all an act in a way and it just kind of adds to the drama of this story. (laughs) Alex Rodriguez Rodriguez is trying to save his career and I know we've said before on the show, I've said at least on the show, just stop. Take your money. Retire. Retire. Live the good life. What more do you have to prove to play baseball? You're not in the streak to catch that home run record anymore, even though you used to. You were on that pace in your prime. You're not there anymore. Just just live the good life. Take the money and run. But Alex Rodriguez is trying to challenge the system, and he doesn't want to be made an example out of. And now he thinks that his legal team has crushed it in terms of you know presenting his case that Major League Baseball has nothing against him. It, it's such a messy situation. What do you think of this, Joel? Well, yeah, I mean, he's not talking about him crushing the ball. Oh, no. He's not going to oh, be no. doing that anytime Because soon. he's not going to be able to do that for quite some time. <laughs> um, I do like the one quote like where he says, we want to know why Bud gave me 20, 211 games. <laughs> like, so personal. Um both sides have kind of made it personal in a way. I mean, after Major League Baseball had the uh, suspension against Ryan Braun kind of overturned by this the same attorney that's representing mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez, they've kind of been taking a little more personal than you expect. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's um, it 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 kind of feels like it's uh, just. Uh, he's trying to like pump more drama into the whole thing, get like more attention. For the case from like everybody, even the people who like don't really care. <laughs> He's being a bit of a diva. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, I, don't, 
I laughed a little bit when I was reading the article. Like I, I think some of it's pretty funny, but um, I don't know. It's I mean, there, there's a few like interesting points they were bringing up, but um, just uh, still kind of curious, like uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the like it. It's still, I mean, it's still even so early in the process, like, with the whole thing, like, it's got a long way to go. I don't know if you can keep up his energy mm. for this yeah. whole thing, like, you're just, like, you're you're putting way too much into it right now, you gotta, like, stretch it out. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting to see, like, what he thinks about how the case is going so far compared to like probably what everybody else thinks about it. Uh, I'd like to agree with you, but like, has he really been such a reliable source of information and opinions? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, that's like kind of what is entertaining about it is the, the idea, <laughs> what he thinks is happening compared to, Everyone else, like he's but it's a train this, wreck you can't look yeah, away from. Yeah, he's like he's like got this delusion in his mind about like how things are going to go, but it, it, I mean it's still so far off, and it's like, I mean the chances of that happening are not very good. No. But um, I don't know. I mean I don't know. I, he's he's fighting. He's fighting it as much as he can. But I mean. I don't know. I, I feel like he's creating a lot more stress for himself than he needs to. He likes to be in the center of attention. I think he'll be okay with it for a while. We'll make the play here. Will Alex Rodriguez have his suspension eliminated completely from this arbitration hearing? Uh, I, I, I mean, like, I don't know if it'll all be a limit like the whole thing um i don't know maybe maybe possibly changed in some way if if there's other facts that come out mm-hmm. something like that because that always happens in cases you know there's always something i mean they say it right in the thing about like the stuff that they can reveal and the stuff that they can't and even even his lawyers are confused about what they're allowed mm-hmm. to to reveal right now because one of the lawyers is saying, "Yeah, and then we're gonna say it all. We're gonna spout it, you know, shout it from the mountaintops." And the other lawyer is like, "What the heck is he talking about? Like, <laughs> we can't do that." Um, so I'd say, you know, if anything happens, there just might be some kind of change in maybe the amount of games, maybe the uh, I don't know, just how long it'll take, something like that. But the, the idea that it will be completely eliminated, I think, is kind of hard for me to, to grasp. I agree. I think, you know, the, the suspension gets knocked down a fair amount. I don't think he's playing in the first you know half of this year, but if he is still talented enough to play in a major league team, I could see him playing in the second half of this year because if baseball did have all their evidence, they would have shown it by now just to shut him up and put him away and really do what they seem to have wanted to do with Alex Rodriguez. And this drama doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. So we'll see if we're covering it next episode. 
Uh, let's burn through these here. You know, the replays from last week in the NCAA and college or, uh, pro football, uh, college and NFL mm-hmm. games here. We started at Syracuse at Florida State, minus 39. Florida State dropping the hammer. 59-3. Se- second week in the row, I think that they won 59-3. Something like that. You know, Jameis Winston, the, the aforementioned player in you know, our stories there, yeah, plays the first half and has great stats. And yeah, they're they're doing to. what they need to do with an easy schedule in order to keep, um, you know, human voters, coaches, like, focused on, okay, they look really good. We should, like, definitely keep them where they're at. Obviously, the computers will change as they will, you know, based on strength of schedule. And they can't do anything about that now. Mm-hmm. Um, schedule's already made. But as long as you win impressive, that definitely helps you no voting absolutely and you know you want to be in the top two teams at the end and that's really all that matters michigan state at nebraska plus six and a half sparty moves on 41 to 28 they're starting to put that offense together which was so bad in the beginning of the year and when you combine it with that defense you know nebraska is not that good of a team i know they gave michigan mm-hmm. trouble the week before uh but you know, michigan state They've pretty much locked up a a Big Ten showdown in the championship game between them and Ohio State, and that's going to be a hell of a game to watch. I think what's I think what's interesting is, especially from that game, is that they got challenged by Nebraska. They definitely did, Mm. and they responded. I mean, there was a point where that game was really close, and Michigan State came like roaring back. Mm -hmm. Um, just their offense looked great. And I know I can talk like every day about how Nebraska's defenses are poor every year for the longest time since they lost left the Big 12. But um, it just uh, it's it's nice to see that offense evolving because that is the complete missing key between this team being like a top 10 team and not being top 10 team because that defense is great. I mean, defense even let up in this game and they still were able to win. So Mm -hmm. Um, they're getting better each week. Yeah, Oklahoma State at Texas plus three. The Cowboys come into Austin and thirty-eight to thirteen. Now that's surprising. Oklahoma State's really found their offense. Like I mean, they they look like the Oklahoma State we expect every year. Mm-hmm. They're running the ball really, really well, and you know they've got great receivers to go down there and catch those play action passes. The option game's working. Defense looks great. Absolutely. Georgia at Auburn, minus four. Auburn, 43-38. What was that game? What was that? Okay, I I turned it off at one point because it looked like Auburn had this locked up, like, easily. And then Georgia came out of nowhere and just, like, scored all these points. Roaring back. And it actually took the lead, and it looked like they were going to win. And then, crazily enough, the second best catch of the weekend. <laughs> you, you can't even believe that, but just right place, right time. Fourth and 18, you know, Auburn's down one, heave it up deep. Two Georgia well, safeties. Down, man. <laughs> two Georgia safeties are contending with the deep man. One sticks his hand out between his teammates' hands, knocks it up instead of down, almost even within stride. Auburn receiver catches it for a touchdown. They try to go for two. They don't get it. 
Yeah, they cover the four points, but holy cow, that was amazing. The crazy thing about that is Georgia had a shot at the end of the game with that much time left. Absolutely. Aaron Murray is going to be a good quarterback in the NFL, I think. Mm -hmm. He's, I mean, he's pretty much taken the SEC by storm. If he had, you know, more healthy players around him, you got to imagine Georgia's year would be a little bit different. SEC all-time passing record. And Georgia's lost some really close games. That's real tough for them. Yeah, if he gets enough protection, he'll be great in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Alabama at Mississippi State, minus or plus 24.5 rather, but Bama only wins 20-7. The Cowbell making it close. Oh, yeah. I I, I mean, you know, usually Bama can kind of just roll over people in the second half, but uh, Mississippi State's defense played really well in this game. Um, you know, they didn't have the kind, they only have the kind of offense that can really score enough points against them, but, you know, Bama's showing that, you know, if you're a complete team, you would definitely have a chance against them. Mm-hmm. You just got to win to, mm-hmm. you know, move on, and not this week, but next week, I'll tell you, the Iron Bowl with them and Auburn, that's going to be a Could great Could be an instant classic. Game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Stanford at USC, plus 24.5. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, if I was here last week, I would have tell you, watch out for the USC upset. I wasn't. I could only put in, you know, I picked USC. You could say, oh, just, a, you know, 24.5 seems a lot, blah, blah, blah. USC gets the win, 20-17, to 17, the last second field goal. Stanford, two really close losses. Yeah, um, and I mean, I don't know. I, as far as who should coach the Trojans next year, I think you've got your guy <laughs> because uh, you know before he took over this team, a completely different looking team, uh, and since he took over, just I mean, they look great. Mm-hmm. They they definitely look like a you know a ranked team, um, really good players and stuff. And I don't know if it's motivation or what, but whatever he's done, it's working. Yeah, those kind of things all come down to coaching. Uh, Houston at Louisville is the extra point for those that didn't have a game to pick. Louisville favored by fifteen and a half. They only win by seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Louisville too. Like they they lost their perfect season which would have given the best chance the uh you know the national championship game but teddy bridgewater keep him trying to build that draft stock my extra point was michigan at northwestern minus three and that was a game that michigan's down by three time's running out as they catch the ball in the middle of the field they're sliding in rushing in the field goal formation they kick the ball with one second left field goal from 44 yards or so is good ties the game sends it to overtime and then it just overtime happens. It was nine to nine at the end of regulation, so it shows you what overtime does to these teams. And Michigan wins by eight. Uh, very surprised personally. Uh, one of the things I wish I could have shared while I was gone is uh, the University of Michigan is suddenly playing terrible football. Just awful, awful football. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, Northwestern. Obviously, we we can talk about what they did earlier in the year, but they have struggled for the complete second half of the season. And uh, you, you shouldn't struggle with Northwestern. I don't no, think. absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, Michigan State, I think, gets them you know, this week. 
But Michigan, you know, had a problem with they couldn't run the ball. They could not their defensive line, which I was, I was telling you, their lines are so young, and the defensive line was succumbing to the pressure. Just some blitzes. Mm-hmm. Like when you have that, that's a problem. You know, against Michigan State and Nebraska, you know, two consecutive losses. And I wish I could remember the numbers. But the rushing yards with the sacks accounted for both did not, you know, both games, Michigan did not get positive rushing yards. Yeah. It had to be like, you know, minus 36 and minus 21 or something like that rushing yards. Uh, just crazy. Well, I mean, you know, it, I mean, it's good, though, that they, they got a win for, you know, at least bumping them up to, like, the kind of bullion that they can play. But you've got to wonder... Like if they have to play an SEC team or something, so they're probably tough. going to. I, they're probably going to get into a bowl game that you know because of their cachet of their name is going to be over their heads, and they're going to play a you know a third or fourth seed SEC team is going to blow them out. It's going to be the Gator Bowl of Mississippi State all over again. That's going to be unfortunate. You had an interesting game though, where you had yeah. Joe Bush on last week. Yeah, on, on it sidelines. was like perfect, and like I didn't even realize it until I had a, like I was like, wait a second, he lives in Kansas. That's where he goes to school. And, um, you know, probably the biggest win Kansas has had in football in, I, I, I don't know, five, years. six years, something yeah. like that. Yeah, because they hadn't won a Big 12 game in a really, really long time. And, I mean, you know, obviously at this point, kind of just chalking like, the season up to a, a lot of missed opportunities mm-hmm. because, um, you know, if – if they could have stolen one against Texas Tech or Texas, they'd still have the opportunity to go to a bowl game, but now they don't. So um, I actually won't be able to go to the game because I'll be out of town. But oh, um, I mean, I, I still think that maybe they could get by Iowa State, but it, you know, at this point, it really doesn't matter. It's just kind of a win-to-win kind of thing. I think but, the same thing with Michigan. You're at Iowa, home against Ohio State. Just let it end mercifully. Yeah. Just make a stop. <laughs> Kind of, the, it, it, what will be interesting is because they're not practicing for a bowl game anymore, they'll start recruiting earlier, which mm-hmm. obviously they need to yeah. <laughs> recruit yeah. better. That's true. So uh, we, I mean, we need to get a, a quarterback <laughs> in here somewhere because all of ours are hurt. So it's a rough go. Yep. Uh, I went four and three with my predictions, and you didn't hear it on the last episode, but I posted it at our showmeyournews.com/forum. We have a down the sideline section of the forums, and we you know post the picks that we're going to do, so fans can participate. I went four and three. You went five and two, which was quite impressive. I think you only missed on Thank- the uh, the Bama, and then <laughs> thank goodness the- we don't do like locks of the week or something because I probably would have locked up our game <laughs> against Kansas. I mean, uh, the, you know, if Kansas would have played like that for the rest of the year, I think they could have stolen another win. I was really impressed with their running back. I mean, just wow. I mean, there's apparently there's talent on that team. It's just like you don't you don't really notice it because they try and win games by quarters. They try and win a quarter against the team. Like that's their kind of motivation. But it'll be interesting to see like you know the kind of talent that Charlie Weiss can be in, bring in there. And I I definitely think that he's bought himself some time. That I mean that yeah. was a start right there. So it'll be interesting to see, see how they build on that. Certainly. As far as the NFL games, though, we had my Detroit Lions against your Pittsburgh Steelers, and 
The Lions decided to score 27 points in the second quarter, but nothing else for the rest of the game. Jim Schwartz makes a questionable fake field goal call that I can tell you. Sports Radio here has questioned the entire week. They've ranked it among the top five worst Lions coaching decisions, and there are a lot of them. Uh, You know, just, you can't do that in the fourth quarter when it's raining and you're already up four. The field goal makes it seven. Why do you try to fake the field goal on a punter who's never run this kind of fake before? Yeah. You know, you're five, it's fourth and five. The punter's seven yards back to begin with. You want him to run 12 yards for just a first down? And Jim yeah. Schwartz is I mean, like, I know like, in, in college a lot of that that is based on, you know, if they study it and practice that week and they see something during the game. Like, obviously, I, I can't remember. Kansas was playing someone like Oklahoma a few weeks back. And they tried that from their own like twelve or something, um, and, and like it obviously it's like different in this case, but um, like I wonder if in the NFL it's the same thing. Like if they see something during the game, like they're lining up a certain way on special teams, if that's how they decide they're gonna do it, because hmm. usually the the you know the punter is always the one that makes the decision, right? On that, so. No, I mean, Jim Schwartz is saying, like, oh, we saw something we liked in the defense, blah, blah. but then he goes in this thing of, like, you know, we're tough, you know, I'm tough. Like, you got to get more football smarts. Mm. Anyway, that was – I wish I could have been on for that last one. That would have been some fun, uh, you know, spirited banter before that game. Mm-hmm. Cleveland at Cincinnati, Battle of Ohio, uh, Cincinnati favored by five and a half. Ugh. Cleveland comes out fighting strong, and then they just decide to turn the ball over, like, yeah. every single possession. So – Bengals win 41 to 20. I hope Washington. they keep that up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Washington at Philadelphia, <laughs> minus three and a half. Philadelphia had lost, gosh, eight to 10 maybe straight home games. So I was hesitant in picking them, but the Eagles win by eight, 24 to 16. Well, Redskins this year are the common cure for that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're almost like, you know, the Eagles. For me, yeah. pat, like last year, I was like, I can't, I can't pick the Eagles. Let me down every time. They're going to fail me. And. It might be the Redskins this it's year. It's the Redskins. <laughs> what do you think about the uh, San Francisco 49ers New Orleans Saints game? Saints threw by three and a half. This is a lot of fun to watch. Um, I don't know. It's just it, it's it's just really tough to be New Orleans there at New Orleans. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter how good you are, too. Sometimes they're just like even if they're having down year, it's just tough to beat them there. Um, but when they're good, it's even harder. So uh, I mean, when you have like an amazing tight end, <laughs> yeah, that always helps things along, and you know, a quarterback who's playing really well. So it sure uh, does. I, New Orleans has looked kind of beatable. Yeah, these past couple weeks, I, they just had the Thursday night game against the Atlanta Falcons, and granted, they were on the road, but they only won like seventeen to thirteen. Uh, this was going to be the you know the statement that you know New Orleans is a, a Super Bowl contender and they can only granted San Francisco is a good team. Uh, New Orleans wins twenty three to twenty though. Kansas City at Denver was the big Sunday night football game. Uh, Denver favored by nine and a half. You know would Kansas City be able to get the pressure on a Peyton Manning quarterback who had been limited his mobility because of getting hit so much and with that defensive line in Kansas City, surprised it didn't get it done. But Denver's got some teeth on defense as well. Yeah. And you know the offense didn't seem to cut it. Denver wins by 10. They cover the 9.5, 27 to 17. I was I was actually pretty impressed with Kansas City in this game because they weren't able to get that pressure 
from the defensive, like, you know, their great defensive line that they've gotten on everybody, but they still kept the game close. And if it's not for, like, uh, if I mean, if they convert a few more third downs, like, that game is really close. I, I mean, because for some reason I was thinking that Denver was just going to kind of roll over them being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, that, you know, when they play again, and was it in two weeks or something like that? Something um, like that, yeah. I think it's I I think it's gonna be just as close. I think it'll probably be closer hmm. than being at home. But um, yeah, I think like the thing to take out of it is that Denver's defense was able to get stops because they're you know they're actually playing a good defense. They're not gonna be able to score you know thirty five plus in this no. one. So. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, what uh, isn't it like the for. difference between first place and fifth place as to who comes out between those teams? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, finally, as far as the replay goes, in New England at Carolina on Monday Night Football, Carolina pl- uh, minus one. You had the controversial pass interference call in the end zone, but mm-hmm. wasn't the best throw, and you had another player stepping in front of, of that at, Another good reason why umpiring is a tough job. Yeah. You got to take a lot of crap. Uh, I went three and three. You went four and two. So you're good to get those games above 500. But let's get into the pick six, where we make our predictions for the upcoming games this week. Let's try to keep our justifications short. Mm-hmm. One sentence here. Or so we start in college football week 13. Oh my goodness. We're getting close to the end, and that's crazy. Ugh. Texas A&M at LSU, minus 4.5 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I would have gone LSU if this were at night, but it's in the afternoon in the bayou. And I like <laughs> Johnny Manziel, and there's talk that he may be announcing his NFL draft intentions before the team's final game. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Give me the Aggies in this one. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, he's still trying to compete for a Heisman Trophy this year. So what better way than to get a win and have a big game? Uh, you know, raise your dra- your draft stock mm, as nice. high as it can go. Um, yeah, you know, he's I, he's still got a lot to prove to people because there's still a lot of people that, you know, say, oh, no, you're not going to do that again. But, I mean, just his stats are crazy. And, yeah, he's having a better I mean, year so far. I'm pretty sure they've said than you know his Heisman season last year. Yeah, I, I think that it'll be a shootout. I think mm-hmm. between these two teams, not not as much defense played as you would expect from you know older SEC games, but uh, should be entertaining to watch. But I think I think uh, Johnny Manziel's got the edge as far as experience mm-hmm. in this game. Um, just big game experience, definitely. Oh yeah. Wisconsin at Minnesota. Minnesota, I think, has won four straight Big Ten games. They're doing the best they have in football in decades. But mm-hmm. Wisconsin favored by 16.5. Who do you have in this one? I just I feel like I like Wisconsin's defense. I like I, I think they'll kind of shut down Minnesota in this game and then just run through them, over them, wherever they want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 rushing stats are just as ridiculous as they always have been for Wisconsin. Yeah, and I think that makes the difference. I mean, when Wisconsin beats teams, they like to blow them out. I think sixteen and a half is no problem against the Minnesota team. Granted, a big game for the Golden Gophers, but I don't think be they have upset. enough. It, it would be, but give me the Badgers to cover the sixteen and a half. I'm sorry, I missed the first one there. 
Who do you have with that one? Oh, um, I have A&M. A&M? Okay. Just yeah, wanted I, think, to... I think Giant Manzo will get the win. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure the records are there. Here's an even split thread. You know, no no favorite in this one, but so to pick them, BYU at Notre Dame at 3.30 p.m. Eastern as well. I'll take BYU. I like the defense. I think Notre Dame is it has been a trying year mm-hmm. for them. And I like BYU with you know, the defense and the rushing attack to you know, get the edge over the fighting Irish. This is like the other holy war. <laughs> In a way, yeah. Um, yeah, I like BYU's defense. Um, you know, I don't think they'll let I don't think they'll let uh, Notre Dame run the ball at all. I think if they're gonna do anything, they're gonna have to throw it, and uh, that's will turn the ball over. Um, yeah, I, I I think BYU can definitely win by at least one point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Arizona State at UCLA, plus two and a half at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Pac-12 showdown, what do you got? I got UCLA. Um, I like their all-purpose linebacker running back, Miles Jack. Um, Just ridiculous what he's doing right now. He might be one of the better running backs in the country, and he's a linebacker. Um, So that's fun to watch. Um, He's been having some ridiculous games, and just really helping UCLA's offense get back to like what it was early in the season. Um, you know, stepping in there because of injury. And uh, it's, I, I think that uh, they'll have enough offense to get by Arizona State. Mm-hmm. I agree. Pretty much everything you just said there. Uh, I know Arizona State has started to you know, sneak in the top 25 there. But UCLA has had better tests. They're at home. I gotta like the Bruins in this one. Yeah, they got some pro players on the defensive line too. So. Yeah, that too. Missouri at Mississippi, SEC battle in the West. You know, Missouri's in the East, and Mississippi's in the West, I think. Mm-hmm. But you've got these MISS teams plus two and a half favor of the Missouri Tigers, and I'll take Mississippi at home. You know, mm-hmm. the, these top, you know, knock them, drag them out SEC battles. You gotta like the home team when it's this close. Mississippi has, you know, played some teams pretty tough in the SEC this year. So Missouri, you know, with a backup quarterback, you know, still James Franklin's trying to recover. I'll I'll take the Rebels. I, I think I'm still going to take Missouri. Um, I think they can get enough from uh, the Posey kid at running back to to kind of keep that offense going. Um, and you know, it's like it's not the first time that the the backups had to play in a big game. Right for them already. Um, I you know it'll definitely be close, um, and Missouri will have to fight to to you know earn this. But I I definitely think that they're you know they definitely want to get to that SEC championship game, and you know they've kind of got a goal in front of them. Um, and Mississippi's feisty, yeah. <laughs> very feisty, but uh, I, I'm still gonna take Mizzou. And then the primetime game at 8 p.m. Eastern Time or 5 p.m. Pacific Time because that's so <laughs> weird. It's the Big 12 showdown. Baylor at Oklahoma State. Baylor, you know, they're number four in the country right now. Prolific offense. They're facing some tough tests, uh, whether it's you know, Oklahoma State this week and then Texas next week. Uh, they got to you know, lock that down. If they want that 
BCS Bowl berth. And oh, I'll just say I did predict Baylor <laughs> in the Big 12 this year. I'm proud of that. It's one of the few things I can get right in this uh, this waste. You, you had an insight into their defense going from like in the hundreds nationally to like the top 15 in total defense. That's totally what it was. And it wasn't just a, a strange hunch that I happened to get right as opposed to many, many of these games. But I'll take Baylor. Uh, I'm a little sketchy on Oklahoma State, even them being at home. And 10 doesn't feel like a lot when you know, Baylor's a team that can put up you know, 50, 60, 70 mm-hmm. points. Even if they pull away late, I think Baylor can cover that 10. Give me the Bears. I'm actually going to take Oklahoma State. Oh. Not to win the game, but to keep it close enough. Because this is going to be a shootout. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's offense has been getting better each week. Their rushing game... I think Baylor's the only other team in the conference who's rushing for more yards. Um, right. Just going to be a ton of rushing yards in this game. There's going to be balls flying through the air all over the place. It's going to be a, a a Big 12, what you would expect from a Big 12 game. And this is going to be points all over the place. And it should be really good. I, I'm really excited to watch it. And, um, it, you know, It'll be interesting to see what comes of it because if Oklahoma State does somehow win, then you know they would win the Big Twelve. Yeah. But then you've got a one-loss Baylor team. Who? How can you keep them out of a BCS game? How they've looked this year? I I, I don't see how you could. I mean, that's. I feel like that's probably the only way that the Big Twelve gets two BCS teams in there. But um, it definitely could happen because. Oklahoma State's built to beat this team. They can run the ball, keep Baylor off the field, but um, should be fun to watch. Absolutely. So catch that one for sure. An extra point if you don't have any is uh, Oregon at Arizona plus 20 and a half. I'm going to take Oregon. I think that, you know, even though Arizona's got, you know, a really good running back, um, you know, putting up some points, I think Arizona still lacks that defense. That, that you know a lot of Rich Rodriguez's teams have struggled with. Um, All too familiar playing, for us both. Yeah, playing yes. a explosive Oregon team who kind of sleepwalked through their game last week yep. a little bit. Um, I think I think that was kind of the body blow thing. After playing Stanford, you're always like, <laughs> you know, kind of tired and beat up. Um, I think you know their quarterback gets healthy. Um, you know their star running backs coming back. Um, and they've got you know a lot of other players stepping up. I, I think Oregon go- goes back to their 50, 60 point ways in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't pick that game. I pick Michigan at Iowa minus six at three thirty p.m. Eastern. I'm going to take the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes, good team at home. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Michigan to keep you know that kind of close game like they do with Northwestern, who's also been having a bad year. Oh yeah. Uh, Iowa's defense, <laughs> the running attack. I don't think Michigan runs the ball that well. And it's uh, not going to set them up well if we're going to that Ohio State game. So, do you think it'll be like a low score? I have of? I have fears that Iowa's just going to lay the wood on Michigan and just blow them out. Huh. I I don't know what to think of this Michigan team. They had promised at the beginning of the year and just it just fizzled out. It'll and, definitely be an indication of what's going to happen. With their other games, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, they only have the Ohio State game after this. And if we have Major Moses on for that episode, I, I'm going to tell flat out, I expect 
the Buckeyes to powerbomb the Wolverines with the way things are right now. And then Michigan will somehow beat Ohio State, and Duke will somehow beat Florida State, and somehow chaos. Somehow, you know, Baylor, and you know, Michigan's athletic director Dave Brandon, who also owns Domino's Pizza. Stanford will be playing in this. Hey, if Alabama and Stanford play the national championship, that's what I predicted. So I'm okay with that. And now that I think about it, what in the world? Well, anyway, you know, Michigan's, F- C teams play <laughs> Michigan's athletic director, Dave Brandon, said that if Michigan wins the last two games of the year, they'll have a fantastic season. They already have three losses. That's ridiculous. Fantastic season? No. Salvageable season if you beat Ohio State the way they are right now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if, no, if you feel yeah. good I, about it. But that's, I think even in a year that you don't make a bowl game, that's a good year. Mm-hmm. If you can that's somehow right. beat your rival. It's big. It is. Uh, as far as the NFL, we got these slate of six games to go through. Pittsburgh Steelers at Cleveland Browns. The dog pound is favored by one. What do you have in this one? Um, I'll just take Pittsburgh because, uh, I don't know, maybe Cleveland keeps turning the ball over. And uh, I don't know. Maybe, like, I think... It just kind of like a late season rush of wins for Pittsburgh just so that they can disappoint people at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Pittsburgh as well. Uh, I don't trust Cleveland with the way they kind of fell just apart in that last game. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the Steelers are playing better football. Yeah, there's probably like better leadership. I mean, that's probably what it would come down to for me. But and There's a big thing. You know, just a lot of things uh, for, you know, these these NFL teams. Mm-hmm. A lot of different factors. And Pittsburgh with the New York Giants as well. We'll talk about the Giants later here soon. But, you know, it started off with terrible records. And they're starting to build themselves back up. You know, these these veteran teams that know what it Especially takes to Especially in divisions that are just struggling. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, speaking of you know a couple of teams that are struggling at the moment, Minnesota Vikings at Green Bay Packers. Packers minus four and a half. It, they're starting Scott Tolzien. The Packers are you know former mm-hmm. Wisconsin quarterback. So no Aaron Rodgers, and they're coming home. I think that gives them the edge, and I'll take Green Bay because Minnesota is Adrian Peterson banged up. You know yeah. not as strong of a defense. And while Green Bay is not a good team right now, they're going to be playing the Detroit Lions uh, after this for Thanksgiving on Thursday night, which should be interesting at Ford Field. I'll take Green Bay to beat Minnesota, but it won't be by much more than four and a half of the spread. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I mean, there's still there's still talent on that team for you know the quarterback to get the ball to, mm. and you know at home they play better. They always play better at home, and yeah. uh, I think it's definitely a chance for Green Bay to get a win, which they need. They do need that, yep. So, I'm mm-hmm. take Green Bay. New York Jets at Baltimore Ravens. Ed Reed, starting for the New York Jets on safety, going back to Baltimore. Minus four. What do you think about this one? Well, okay, so if you've watched the Jets, they kind of do this thing where... One week they'll win a game, and the next week they'll get blown out, and then the next week they'll win a game, and the next week they'll get blown out. And it's kind of it's kind of creepy how they've done it. 
Just the um, win loss, win loss, win loss. Yeah, ten yeah. games. You know, first team ever to do that. Yeah. So, I believe this week would have to be a win to keep that that pattern going, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Because I, I think the past week they got killed pretty bad. I'm trying to remember, but it's not um, so, but you know, Baltimore's also had their struggles this year. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe. They'll throw Ed Reed a pick or something <laughs> like that. Um, At the end of the game when it doesn't matter because the Ravens yeah. are blowing out yeah. the Jets. And then, like, somehow he'll score. <laughs> <laughs> Just like he always did. Um, I, yeah, I, I'll take the Jets this week, I think. Uh, it's a win a win week, maybe. A win week. Huh. Yeah, you got to take some of those games you know, while you can to differentiate a little bit. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys at New York Giants minus one. Giants have won four straight. They started the year losing six straight. I think they started to pull it together. This is a division they can win if they win this game against Dallas, which is one of their main competition. Mm-hmm. I want to take the G-men Ooh. to win this game at home and start to put themselves in position to win a wild NFC East. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's where they've kind of started to do their work this season is at home. And... Uh, these teams know each other better than probably any two teams. Mm. Um, there's always basically games coming down to deciding the division between them. And um, just, you know, lately, New, York, New York's had a surge and Dallas has really been struggling. Um, I mean, especially when, you know, your best defensive player is out there like limping around trying to tackle people. Uh, that's kind of a bad sign. Uh, and so, so I think uh, I think I'll take the Giants. Well, take the Giants. Sunday night football game: Denver Broncos at New England Patriots. It's the Manning versus Brady round thirteen or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, New England is at Final home, <laughs> <laughs> but Denver is favored by one. What's your pick on this one? Um, I'm gonna take Denver. I think they're mm. even more complete team new england um you know a few of new england's wins kind of come at the end of the game um their offense has looked a little bit better um but uh i think i think uh you know especially with the broncos and the, the weapons that he has around him um definitely has a really good supporting cast on offense and they'll be able to make those tough catches you know, yeah, Wes Welker probably, should be ready to play. Yeah, should be a big yeah. game for Wes Welker. Mm-hmm. He's clearing concussion symptoms, but he should be back for this one. I'm going to take New England, and I don't like picking against the Patriots, but they're at home. You know, Brady has owned Manning in competition, and you know, Bill Belichick is ready for this team. I think. Uh, you know, I would like Denver to win, but I think realistically, New England is going to do so. They've They've got to win to start getting themselves in a position to get possibly home field advantage, which they need in the playoffs should they make it there. Yeah, they need it or it's going to be over quick. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't even think about it. Uh, Manning's injury, like it's uh, it definitely, you definitely noticed that it, it made it so he couldn't throw some passes this past week mm-hmm. against Chiefs. So, 
But he was mobile enough to, you know, roll out and get away from I that. I think that's big what, pass yeah, rush. that's yeah. what impressed me enough to think that I think they can do this because the the uh, Patriots do not have the same kind of defensive line that the Chiefs do, and they did fine against them protection wise. So interesting. The Monday Night Football game takes the San Francisco 49ers off of that tough loss to the Washington Redskins. Wouldn't be a bigger deal if RG3 were playing well and you know Colin Kaepernick is, would start to show some of those stats that seem a bit hollow. I'm going to take the 49ers, though. Um, yeah, you're, You mentioned it. Like I don't think Washington is that team this year where you can build them you know, a solid indie game. you got to wait and wait. And by the end of... I don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Washington is just a joke this year it's so sad from from that defense being just not what we thought it would be to them you know struggling and putting their defense in even worse positions by not doing things on offense well uh it's just not working there rcc is not the same player they're not using him the same way i think they're scared to try to get immobile and possibly be hurt again. And I think San Francisco, they showed it a lot of fight in that game against New Orleans. If it hadn't been for that, you know, penalty, mm-hmm. Ahmad Brooks against, you know, Drew Brees' neck, uh, they might be coming out of, you know, New Orleans with a, a, a big win. But going to Washington, I don't think it's going to be much of a problem. Even though the spread is six, a, a touchdown would give San Francisco that one. So I'll take the Niners. Yeah, I, I think maybe it would probably be a pretty like defensive game. I don't I don't think San Francisco has to score a lot of points. They could probably win like 14-3 or something like that. Be fine. But you'll take the Niners there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it feels weird for me to you know do this for the first time in a few weeks. And I know a little scatterbrain maybe just to try to Get into the focus, but it's Friday night. We're trying to knock this out so we can post this here on Saturday for you uh, and you know, get our, our picks in. We're starting to wrap up the football season soon, and that's a little, a little scary. Yeah, college football, getting closer to being, at least like, you know, regular season games being over. Mm-hmm. Then we'll hit the, I mean, the last, what, BCS series without a playoff. That's true, yeah. Well, then, that'll be exciting for sure. Yes, the selection committee will have to work their magic next year. <laughs> um, and some would say it would be a good year to start it this year, but things just aren't in place yet. Yep. Um, and we will see if we end up with so many undefeated teams at the end of the year. Absolutely. I'm just glad I get to watch football this weekend in the eastern time zone where i'm familiar with just to think that i was in san diego this morning is is crazy for me and that's probably why i'm just like blah all (laughs) over the place so with that i am peter and i'm joel and we hope you enjoy the week in sports take it easy